When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? It is Sox Pop, Sox Populi. It's derived from the Latin. Sox Populi 151. Uh, oh, we are really excited. The White Sox have their, I looked this up, sixth, sixth winning, sixth winning streak of the year. <laughs> two games count. It's a streak. <laughs> and they have guaranteed themselves two non-losing months in a row. This team's arrow is pointed up, providing the season can somehow last to 2029. I feel very confident that they may be a first place team by the time it's all said and done. With me, after technical difficulties, rapid darkening and sunsetting, canceled softball games due to smoke, et cetera, et cetera, are Melissa Sage Bolenbach, Maliki Hayes, and Brian O'Neill hanging with me. For this podcast, 151, before we get to, oh, I don't know, temp check on the White Sox, let's go over some numbers. Oh, it's the only part of the podcast I provide any value. White Sox, 36 and 47 after that stirring second straight victory over the Los Angeles Glendale and uh, Angels, the four and a half out. I don't know if Minnesota's playing or not, whatever. They're four and a half out as of right now, as of recording, four and a half games out of first place. The Twins, two games under, whatever the record is, two games under. This division, we talk about relegation, should be relegated. Uh, but <laughs> shout out to Steve Stone, five behind in the loss column, uh, negative 55 run differential. That translates, projects to a 70 and 92 season for the White Sox, which it could be a division winner. Uh, 434 <laughs> winning percentage also projects to a 70 and 92. They are solidly in the 70 win arena right now. On the other hand, they are the third worst team in the American League, and we know what the other two. We're visiting the worst team in the American League, but just by a hair. Maybe they aren't even any longer because Kansas City really doesn't want Oakland to somehow win the worst team in baseball history this year. So they are fighting out neck and neck as the two teams who seem like they will be clearly worse than the White Sox. Oh, I know. Here comes the jinx. Uh, clearly worse than the White Sox in the 2023 season. The White Sox are sixth worst in all of baseball. Things haven't really changed, even though by and large, the winning percentage is, has, has gone up a few ticks. I don't know what that means. So let's lead this thing off by saying, how is everybody feeling about a path to a division title, path to contention? Maliki all along has said the division is pretty much never going to run away from us. So we're just sort of like the, the flotsam just floating. And maybe when 162 is finished, the White Sox are somehow on top, but, uh, Anything changed or just vibe check on this team right now? I mean, have the vibes changed? I don't think they have. I mean, <laughs> you win a few, you go, oh, okay, maybe this is their chance to turn around. They immediately turn around and drop a few. Um, it, the, the the thing is, is that the current state of affairs is might actually be good enough to win the division. Like, it's a weird vibe check. It's like really yeah. hard to gauge because they're bad. They're objectively a bad team that's hard to watch, but they also have a legitimate shot. So I just don't know what to make of that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's such a strange position to be in. Is it? Like, four, if you are in any other division, you know, I looked at the other teams that were about four, four and a half back, and you've got, like, Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, Houston's five and a half back. I mean, all those teams are probably like, all right, we're heading into July. We're in striking distance. We can do this. Um, we're even in more striking distance. We're only four and a half back. <laughs> a solid week. Like, Oakland had a seven-game winning streak this year. Like, it does happen. It is possible for teams to go on a streak, and then suddenly we're in first place if we do, you know, what Oakland did, yeah. which is such a terrible thing to have to say. Um, so, yeah, there's no there's no uh, escape from hope, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, they're going to, they're gonna just like last year, even, albeit at flirting with 500, flirting with 10 under, they're going to, we're going to, yeah, I'm afraid we might be on the hook for months. So. Uh, to come. Melissa, um, how's is the up? What's the level? Has it changed? No, because <laughs> I'm going going right back with Maliki. And, and I mean, they, they're still bad. I mean, yeah, yeah, the last two games, they've scored a couple, like they've yeah. actually just, you know, got some runs going. And so that's great. But they're still just objectively, subjectively, all of it, they're just bad. And so, yeah, why we may only be four and a half back, we could get as close as one game back, and then they're going to go on another 10-game losing streak because they don't have the pieces that that a good team needs to actually, like, hold a lead. Because, yeah, fluky, we may still somehow get closer to the top or even get the top, but we would never stay there. Like, we just don't have the consistency to stay there. Yeah. Your casual answers belie the fact that going in before this win was even recorded, you know, baseball reference takes its time, you know, like updating. White Sox had a 2.7 chance of making the playoffs, and that's before today's victory. So I'll give you a chance in the second half of the podcast to modify your answers. Let's drill a little deeper into that question, though, because we can never get enough of vibes, right? Uh, is there a reason, I guess playing a little bit of off, off of what M Melissa maybe just said, is there like a, a a sequence of events we can see coming together where, like specifically on the team with the roster, where this team can take that extra, yeah, we know they're bad and it looks like they're going to be bad. It looks like this year they're going to end up 10 games under. What, they can claw to 500 maybe? That's like best case it seems like right now. Is there some, I mean, it could be rotation. I guess it could be the bullpen. Uh, Liam coming back and maybe solidifying a bullpen. Maybe it's this team not just hitting – solo homers is there like a sequence a, a two or three part sequence that comes together for this team rotation or otherwise that would make it really almost believable or expected that the white Sox are going to make a move yeah you know you could say beyond just saying like the good players need to play well more specifically right. they if they need to get tim anderson going when Tim Anderson is going, it is a completely different yeah. team, even more so than the kind of hot and cold cycles that that most of these stars, even, you know, Luis has been on fire lately, but we've seen all of them, Luis, Aloy, Yoan, all of the central guys, you know, they're, they're streaky. But when Tim is going, it's a slightly different beast. When he's at the top of the lineup getting on base 40% of the time, hitting singles and doubles the other way and with a little bit of power, stealing bases, um, the, the numbers don't lie. You see the record when he's – in the lineup and he scores a run or something like that. It's, it's, um, you know, as much as I love cold, hard data and stuff like that, there's, there's a vibe to this team. When Tim Anderson is going, he is the spiritual, he's the spirit of the team. He is their heart and soul. You know, I, I don't think anyone's going to deny that. So mm -hmm. I think if they get him going, I think there's a domino effect there at the top of the lineup that, 
that leads to some good things and you get that going and then maybe I start to believe, okay, this team has some of that juice back. Maybe they can actually take a step forward. Yeah, Malachi, maybe it's two sides of the same coin, but when he's not there, like uh, up until I guess today, I suppose, uh, when he's been in this slump, his his lack of spirit, him, he's almost not present, it seems, on the team. I, I imagine that can also, especially now with Jose Abreu gone, I mean, a, a, whether he's this quiet leader or leader at all, his vibe really can drag the team down, I think, as well. Not, not, I mean, not getting down on him or anything, but I mean, as much as it's a plus when he's the guy hitting the walk off at the Field of Dreams, he also, you know, he could sort of like suck the energy when, you know, when it's not going well for him. And we've seen him in maybe as prolonged a slump as maybe we've ever seen him. For, for me, it's more consistency out of the pitching would have to happen because, I mean, Lance Lynn and Kopech and throwing a bullpen game every, you know, fifth day, yeah. we're not going to be able to put anything together of any length if we can't get more consistency out of Lance and Kopech um, as well as some of these bullpen guys. I mean, you don't know what Kelly or what Graveman you're going to get um, on any given night either. So I think, it, I mean, in addition to the TA thing, you're definitely going to have to have pitching. Yeah. You, you're, uh, Melissa, you're, you're Jesse Schultons and Tuki Toussaint erasure has been noted. <laughs> uh, they are listening and upset at the fact that they no, that's a good point. What team? I mean, I understand. We always complain about the rotation. It's like, well, what, what team have, I mean, you know, there are teams, but what team, even teams in contention, you know, can run out those five strong stars who never get hurt. Right. But I mean, the fact that it goes from the five that the Sox started the season with, which we're not ironclad to begin with to like, Desperately grabbing a guy off the wa waiver wire to plug him into meaningful innings is, I think this is probably something Maliki said, if not several people have. I mean, you're, you know, you're you're a you're you're a clown, you're a circus team if if that's what you're trying to run out there. Uh, Brian, you see anything like you know again the the Rubik's cube that, that sort of solves this uh, this division race? I mean, it's kind of pivoting off what Melissa said. I mean, obviously, it's you know. It you can say the pitching thing, but we've got, we've had periods where the starting pitching has been great and the bullpen let everyone down. We've had periods where the bullpen was dominant, but they were, I mean, I think our best stretch of winning like two series in a row, the bullpen looked like world leaders and it just never synced up. And you can say it's not going to sync up because they're bad and inconsistent, or you could say it's been bad luck. But if you get a two, three week stretch where it actually, the starters do their job and the bullpen does their job, which I don't think has happened once this year, yeah. then suddenly you might be in first place. But yeah. that's basically the White Sox method is just hope everything goes right. Yeah. And to be fair, the one thing we can't get down on the White Sox for, I guess, I guess we can't. I mean, how can you really get down on a guy who spends $70 billion on a bullpen? But listen, losing Liam, you know, as I always say, you know, you know, we don't have want to have the, the Maliki Hayes, Brett Valentini debate about closers and, and relief roles. But I mean, listen, just flushing your closer and your killer closer, you know, off the team. Uh, I mean, that that's a different animal. And that, I mean, the fact that the White Sox have maybe the bullpen has kept it together as well as it has might be a tribute to those guys. So if Liam could come back and give us a second half that's basically close to what we expect from him, well, that could play a really big role for the bullpen side of it, sinking over the rotation, whoever's starting as the number four or five guy or three guy, I don't know. Um We've heard nothing on him lately, like absolutely nothing on the Liam update. It's kind of kind of concerning a little bit. Yeah, when he's in the same category as, hey, that redacted guy 
I mean, he just will stop showing up to the park when, when you're getting the same amount of updates uh, from both of those guys. Yeah. That's, that's maybe not a shot in the arm, but you know, hopefully it's just letting him heal. You know, he wants to be back. He'll be like a, a minute after midnight. He's like, okay, I'm back. where can I pitch? I, I hope, you know, it seems to be his personality. Um, we got a few other things we want to discuss. We're not going to take a break quite yet. Cause we're going to still finish happy talk. Has this been happy talk? Well, Happy as it's going to get. It's the 2023 Chicago White Sox. Uh, I would like to go around to everyone and hear, and now that we are basically, I think we've just moved into the second half of the season, even though we're not at the All-Star break. Uh, the surprise for you. Who is the biggest surprise on this White Sox roster for you? It's probably named this come up in podcasts before, but hey, let's just solidify it as the first half surprise. Pleasant surprise for you. Uh, no particular order. Uh, just shout it out. Who wants to draft first? Oh, um, oh, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Okay. I'll, I'll guess I'll, I'll keep it themed to the bullpen. Um, and even, I mean, I'll give Rickon credit. Write this down. I am giving Rickon credit. Um, Gregory Santos. For the podcast. Was, Gregory Ooh. Santos was a great pickup. Um, mm-hmm. And you saw from the mo- you know, you looked at his metrics over the winter, and the only reason he got to them was basically because the Giants had a forty-man roster crunch. Um, right. So. The stuff was there, so I'm not even going to say that's a surprise, but Keenan Middleton has been incredible, um, you know, hiccup yesterday aside. He, I, I hate to say it, if anybody's going to go at the deadline, it's probably going to be him because he is back yeah. to throwing 99. He's not under contract for next year, and, yeah. you know, relievers who throw 99 and can actually find the zone and strike some guys out are always in high demand. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I'm very impressed with how – he and Santos have essentially saved uh, this bullpen from being an utter disaster, given the inconsistency that we see out of Joe Kelly and uh, Kendall Graveman, and of course all the unfortunate things that have happened to Liam. Okay, Melissa and Brian, you slept. So look, uh, Maliki snapped up two selections. So all right, who's left for you, Melissa? Okay, so you're going to be like, oh, like what a pick. <laughs> Well, first of all, I was going to say Santos, so we still feel that bit. But I'm going to go with Luis. And the reason why he's so surprising to me is because, like, I don't know. We've always been told, like, he's this awesome player and he's going to do so great. But yet we've never seen it. And now we're finally seeing it. So for me, it's like, surprise, they actually kind of did lie to us on this one, I guess. Like, he does have that potential in there. And so if he can always be this guy that's he's fun to watch I mean even if this team is bad he's he's fun to watch I mean whether he's at the plate or he's in the field I mean that almost home run that you know Gavin Sheets ruined for him the other night that he almost stole I mean he just you know he just his flight and he's he's just he's a really cool athlete to watch Okay. This is the this is the we hate metrics podcast now because we're not going to pay attention to metrics. Listen, he's playing. He's played more games than anyone on this team. I mean, I, I think I, I mentioned in our in our group uh, maybe a week or so ago. Imagine how different the seasons, well, every season would be, but certainly these last couple of seasons. If he's just at full strength, if he's playing eighty percent of the games, seventy five percent of the games, it can make enough of a difference to well, maybe the White Sox win a couple of playoff games instead of just one. But he's playing. Uh, I mean, that's a real key. And I think you're right. He's delivering what was promised in a season where he, you know, he's been on the field. So uh, it is pretty exciting. All right, Brian, you've been very polite. Yeah. And I've learned a lesson about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
was going to say Luis Robert, but I guess then um, I'm going to go with uh, Lucas. And I mean, maybe that's small expectations, but Lucas has come around. Lucas has fixed a lot of the stuff that plagued him last year. Um, I mean, I still think that COVID wrecked him. I mean, I know there's a lot of analysis of spin rate and the sticky stuff and everything, but there's a clear drop from when he was unhealthy and when he got wrecked by COVID. Um, I don't know if he's healthy enough just to trade him again, and that's what's going to happen. And the sentimental side of me gets sad about that, but it's really nice to see one of the good guys in baseball figure it out again. And like, I don't feel, I feel confident when he's on the mound and he's had some really, really good performances and it's been nice to see. Yeah, I don't know who's left for me. I could pick even someone in the minor league system, but I'm not sure there's anyone who's been so definitively good because they all still have flaws. DJ Gladney, uh, Terrell Tatum, no pitchers. Uh, so I'll just I'll pass um, and I'll learn my lesson, too, I suppose. Uh, but as a host, I should be generous. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to try to scramble and take notes to answer my own questions. So I actually have an answer and I'm not just even a lamer host than usual. Hang with us for about a minute. Uh, we'll be back after Fans First Sports Network sells you something, and I bet you it's going to be good, so give it a try. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? We've snuck up on Sox Pop Podcast, The Mothership, 151. I think I've been here for almost all 151. I know Crystal went rogue a couple times, uh, but I think I've been around for almost all of them. Pretty cool, huh? 150 yeah, podcast, cool. real smart guy. Wow, Brett, you're smart. Okay, we're talking about the Chicago White Sox. If you haven't heard, they are 36 and 47, yet we're still spending minutes, hours, days talking about them. Hey, why not? Let's keep talking about them at the second half of the show. I promise the second half, so we have to have a second half. So step up, everyone. Uh, flip side of best surprise, biggest surprises for you, of course, would be biggest disappointments. And this list is longer. I will have an answer on this one. But, uh, again, who jumps out as the biggest disappointment? It doesn't mean their season's over. Listen, it could be – hey, come on. Luis Macy's had a six-hit game uh, just yesterday. So, uh, uh, you know, it's possible to turn around for a second half. But that said, for the first half, who's made you saddest? Go, Brian. <laughs> oh, Brian gets to go first. It's, it's a snake. It's a snake draft. Okay. Um, Mankata. Like, I have believed in him since he drafted – oh, sorry, Malik. <laughs> Uh, you know, and even even when he was bad last year, like I still had a, a stubborn hope in what we had seen before and a childlike faith in that beautiful swing of his. And I've just been, you know, been waiting for it to be like, okay, you know, after 2019, like he's so good. And then 2021, you saw flashes again. And then I really wanted it to be. And maybe it still will be. You know, you could be like, he's injured, but he's always injured. I don't blame guys for getting hurt, but at some point it just catches up with you. And it's gotten to the point for me where I was talking to some friends over the weekend and I was trying to give them that stat about the core players playing together, like how many games they play. Right. Well, it's Tim and Aloy and Luis Robin and Grandal. And I somehow couldn't come up with Moncada just because <laughs> I was like 30 beers in. So there's also that excuse, yeah. but <laughs> He's just made it, and it's really sad to see a guy who I had so much hope in, and he just seems like a good dude who loves baseball, just get his career eaten by injuries and impatience. See, when I'm that many beers in, I, the first thing that pops in my head is, is uh, Yohan parading around in a romper. So, you know, I would definitely <laughs> think of him. Okay, he's getting paid $17.8 million to play half the games and have zero war. And let's not pile up on him. He'll hurt. Yeah, right. We're not going to get down a guy for hurt. But if we're going to credit Luis for being on the field and putting up these astronomical numbers – uh, flip side is we got to get down on a guy who isn't finding his way to the field, especially when he like looks really great in warmups, according to our manager. Uh, but then he's still not ready to play. Whoops. Uh, okay. 
Snake draft would go, I guess it, I'm oh, sorry, Malachi, it goes to Melissa now. So for me, it's Elvis Andres. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know there's, the when we had him in the second half of last year, I mean, I know that was an anomaly, like that he wasn't that guy, but I really had hope of him when he came in at the last minute that if we could just get, you know, a dusting of what we had from him last year in terms of the production, because the personality is we've still seen it. You know, I mean, he's always the guy smiling from the dugout, always encouraging his teammates. That part is there. And if we could have just gotten, yeah, just like a small sliver of that piece that we had of him um, on the field from last year, that would have been really great. And so that's been a real bummer for me because now I'm like, yeah, play Zach Rommelard as much as possible because I mean, if this guy's going to keep hitting the ball, like Elvis, sorry, dude, you got to sit, the, you got to sit the pine. Uh, good news. Good news for you, Malachi. Uh, Melissa went off the board there. Uh, Elvis Anrus, uh being counted on for anything. I mean, that's, you know, bless your heart. Uh, although listen, if war as it properly should, values uh, dugout antics, like say uh, Jose Abreu deciding to run down the dugout and slide on concrete, just just cause, uh, even though he's the most important player on the White Sox, um, then his war is not negative 0.6. It's probably, it's at least 0.6 then. You got to give him, you got, that's at least worth one more for that dumbass outfit for the home runs. But that's a whole nother discussion, which we've actually had. So Maliki, uh, I believe you're up. Yeah, um, I was gonna I was gonna say Yoan, um, as as my reaction there probably indicated. Um, just to that point, I think he's in a similar boat as TA in terms of the vibes need to be going well. I mean, it's night and day from what he looked like in the World Baseball Classic. I'll tell you that much. I mean, it's like he got to the got to the South Side and just all the joy went straight out the window. But uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Andrew Benintendi. Honestly, uh, yeah. you know, if we're gonna get down on on Yoan yeah. for underperforming his salary. I, I think we also got to talk about the biggest yeah. free agent signing in MLB history being a barely league average uh, with the bat with no pop whatsoever. And also mm-hmm. in spite of what Steve Stone tries to tell us, he has actually been a pretty concrete negative in the field yeah. by every single defensive metric. Yep. And now I'm pretty skeptical of advanced defensive stats, but you know, there's three or four of them that you got to pay attention to. And when all of them say the same thing, right. Right. You usually have a pretty good idea of what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, I can't help. It is he is who he is. And it's not his fault that he was offered seventy five million dollars by the White Sox. Uh, But whatever they hope to get out of him, they're clearly not. And, uh, you know, he's he's the guy you bring in ostensibly by letting Jose Abreu walk out the door. And it's just it's just inadequate. You know, a 100 WRC plus OPS plus you know, with a, a slugging percentage, it's about 20 points above his OBP. That's not, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. 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 Essentially one war. He, and he doesn't have the excuse of not playing. He's played the second most games on the team. So it's not like, well, geez, once he gets on the field, he'll actually be performing like a major league regular. Uh, no, I mean, he might be a major league regular this year. If, if all goes to pass. Wow. Such an open field for me. Uh, Tim Anderson, I think it obviously jumps out, but we've, we've addressed Tim uh, uh, pretty well. And, you know, Lance Lynn sort of escaped a little bit of scrutiny, but I'm not sure we we weren't expecting this, but I'm not sure we were expecting a three and a half ERA or certainly on a two and a half ERA. So six plus or six ish is not great, but I mean, that's obviously a key cog. I mean, he's taking the ball. I guess that's something he's taking the ball, but <laughs> you got to do something with the ball. I'll, I'll, I'll go weird. I guess I'm going to be the prospect spy. I'll go weird and say that though I'm not down on Oscar Colas or anything like that. It just, 
in 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 the in the sense of what he represents, I guess in a way as the the the, um, the opposite of say Gregory Santos, um, Colas being a guy that you just sort of hoped, even though they were throwing him out there, you sort of knew this wasn't going to happen. That wouldn't it have been nice had he sort of hit the ground running. Maybe he's putting together a you know a one one five war through the first half season. He he's producing. He's sort of solving maybe a bit of an issue in right field instead of you know very predictably and understandably you know. Uh, struggling enough to get sent down on a team that doesn't have a right fielder. Uh, it just would have been nice. So this is more like a, a Christmas list, you know, upset, I suppose. But it just would have been a nice had he been able to sort of been thrown out there, but also stick. It doesn't happen very often. But, you know, Tim got called up. He sort of never went down again. Not to say he, he set the world on fire way back when. But, I mean, you know, he never got sent down. Uh, it just would have been nice if one of these guys, especially one who's fairly hyped, uh, could have stuck. So. Sorry, yeah, Oscar. When do we get our uh, Lady de la Cruz? <laughs> when we start rooting for another team, Brian, or when there's an entire, entirely new uh, brain trust, which I guess will never come before even the expiration of maybe all of our lives. No, Malachi, you are the youngest here, and you may not live to see it, I'm afraid to tell you, Brian. Uh, okay, well, speed round that I had in mind to end this, and it could end up you know, I always say we're just about to finish and then we go another 45 minutes, but you know, we all got to eat or play softball or maybe breathe air. How is the air up there? Is, is it any better? Uh, is it yeah. oh, all right. No, it's Brian's not. Like, Brian's like, forget it. I'm going out. <laughs> I'm getting done this podcast. I'm going out. Forget it. Uh, well, the speed round is who's first traded. Uh, maybe you can answer this as who should be or who who could the White Sox get the most from. But maybe or in reality, I'm saying who do we think is going to be the first? Because it does seem, despite being four, or I don't know, will anybody be traded? Because either we can't trust Rick Hahn or Jerry doesn't trust Rick Hahn. I don't know. Kenny doesn't trust Rick Hahn or because they're four and a half out. So I guess this is a this is just a wild, total wild card question about what is going to happen as the deadline approaches. Are the Sox going to strike? Is there going to be a deal they can't refuse knowing you know, even though they could use another 10 starts from Lucas, that it's like, hey, I can't pass up this deal as if someone's going to offer Rick on that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> all right. What is it? Um, again, all over the board. So how do you want to answer this? It's going to be it's going to be one of Keenan Middleton or Joe Kelly. Uh, okay. They're not going to be far back enough and they're not going to get an, enough of an offer to uh, okay. to make it worth trading Lito and losing that qualifying offer, even if he walks. Um I don't think they're going to have the guts to pull the trigger on a sell as long as they're as long as the rest of the AL Central is also below 500. So okay. a reliever who's not around next year anyway. Okay. All right. So I'm going to cut off the other two answers again. The draft just gets blown to bits because Melissa has answered this, and I got I, I don't know roasted. It is fairly. It was pointed out. It became the headline that I was defending Rick Hahn. So I'm going to pose this question now that you mentioned qualifying offer, Malachi. Do you trust Rick Hahn can trade? Again, you're saying it's not even going to happen, but if a trade for Lucas Giolito happened, would he get something that's a better value than we would estimate to be a qualifying offer? Let's say it's a number 45 pick-ish or whatever. Will he be able to get something tangibly that is more valuable than what just if he sleeps through it all and lets in, and, and, and sends off Giolito with a welcome wagon package for Anaheim or L.A.? Um, that he would get in a trade now, uh, Brian Malachi, What do you think? I'm I'm alone on this team, so because I did say yes, you should be able to fall out of bed and do that. But okay, answer me. 
No, because I think he thinks his job is kind of on Malachi's side here. I think he would see his job as getting a trade where they could possibly strike the iron here. Or that's not the other phrase works. Like, I don't think, I think if he were to trade Lucas, it would be to try to get something to win the division right now because his job probably depends on it. I mean, I doubt that he, I still kind of doubt that he is going to get fired, but I mean, if he sells every, they're not going to do a sell off this year. Okay. Unfortunately. So, so Brian, what you're telling me is even if Rick Hahn, I mean, we didn't even have this extra uh, addendum when we discussed this a couple podcasts ago, even, okay, he's going for it in this trade, but he's so bad at what he does in going for it. The value he gets back for Luis, uh, Lucas Giolito is going to be lesser than pick number 45 next summer. I think so. I mean, if he's doing the drafting, okay. yeah. And- <laughs> I guess that's part of it. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll trade, yep. trade for Carl Everett. You know, they'll dig him up out of retirement. Which one? And just hope that it, hope that it all works out. Okay. There's some veterans who hasn't been good in a couple of years and that they think they can – the socks will fix him. That's just their way. Like, I, I don't want to sound cynical, but okay, his job right. to making the playoffs this year. Well, I'll agree. If Rick is making a trade for Carl Everett or a Carl Everett-like, then yeah, then I will switch over to the side. I still think he's able to somehow sidestep doing that. But okay, Malachi, oh, yeah. you're my only hope. What do you think? So, yeah, so I think you you kind of touched on it there, Brian. Is that the the thing the forty fifth pick in the draft is a very different thing for different teams. You know, one of those picks for a team is a lot more valuable for a team like the Dodgers that can take you know a piece of clay and mold it into a pitcher who throws ninety eight with like three nice secondary pitches. That pick is worth a lot more to them than it is for the Sox, who for whom development is a pretty foreign concept. So I'm actually going to side with you on this one, Brett. I think not because of not because of any particular faith in Rick Hahn's genius, okay. um, but simply because of the circumstances, there's a very good chance that G Lito is going to be the best starting pitcher on the market. Um, teams know that they do have the qualifying offer in hand. Uh, yeah. Most of the teams that have top, you know, none of the top 20 prospects are moving, you know, on the list, but I think given Given the circumstances there, if they do decide they do, in fact, want to trade Lucas Giolito, I think just by virtue of the market, uh, you could probably get somebody, you know, on the back end of the top 100 prospect list. uh, And whoever they get with that draft pick is not going to go straight on the back 100 of the prospect top prospect list. So I think I think if they do make that move. I think I don't know if he'll get good value that's kind of a different question it is it is will you get better value than that draft pick um you know that draft pick in any case is probably three or four years away so yeah i'll i I think i think that's probably the better move um yeah but you know (laughs) you bring you and, and you bring out you know rightfully that i mean essentially they are packaging that number 45 pick with Lucas because yeah, the, the team, you know, I guess unless it's the Dodgers and the Dodgers immediately, you know, give them $500 million and, you know, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. They're going to have the option if Lucas bolts to take that pick just as, as well. Okay. Wow. All those sleepless nights. Finally, somebody smart agrees with me. 
Not to say all the smart people didn't. Di I mean, the smarter people disagree with me. So, Melissa, you're still in the right category. But Malachi, thanks for slumming. I appreciate that. You're a good guy. I'll remember this. I'll remember this forever. Okay. So uh, back to who gets traded, do they trade, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Uh, Malachi's answer was uh, a starter of value, I mean, a, a reliever of value, uh, probably less likely maybe Joe Kelly than Akina Middleton, but uh, that type of position, I'm probably not big pieces going. Uh, Brian, Melissa, what are you foreseeing here in the, in the coming weeks? Or back to the um, I mean, yeah, I, I, Lucas was on the top of my list for being traded. Um, whether that's going to be good or bad, I but I honestly don't think they're going to be making any big moves. I think Malachi is right that it's going to be the small bullpen thing. They're going to be too close. They can't start tearing things down. I mean, they can and they should. I mean, I'm kind of, I agree with that article Tommy wrote a couple weeks ago where you can keep the core and very quickly try to rebuild with veterans and stuff, which is why I don't think they're going to do anything big this year. Um, I mean, that, that presupposes a smarter brain trust coming in. So there's a lot of moving parts here that actually are yeah. mud. There's moving parts that are not moving whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I don't think they're going to make any big moves. I think they're going to tinker at the margins and keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, Malachi's got like the office chair there. It looks pretty nice, but, you know, definitely not leather. I don't think Brian's on that. And the, the, Melissa's in like, you know, the – pop-up studio so i'm guessing that's not you know the cushy leather action so yeah we are not in the white Sox brain trust should we be in the white Sox brain trust well maybe not but better than some of the people who are in the white Sox brain trust so you're right there is that's a very good caveat brian because it's like well what they should do what they will do how they should execute what they're going to execute and that's what we all fear and that's i think maliki was the first i think a lot of us have just harumped and agreed that it's like are you gonna let rick Hahn be the guy who does these things i He's a GM. It's like she sort of have. He's got the keys. I mean, you're really going to tackle him every time he gets up to walk out the door. Maybe the White Sox are going to have to because, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I trust it. Uh, okay, Melissa, what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm with everybody. I don't think – I mean, Lucas is the most valuable, but I just don't think they're going to do anything. I think they're just going to stand pat and um, just hope and hope and pray, pray like they always do that, you know, things – Things work out in the end for them. It's all going to be pretty and tied up in a bow because we just hope and pray our way to things in Chicago. So, um, yeah, I don't foresee. I don't even really see a little move happening. I think it's just, we're just gonna. We just like to keep riding things the way they are and hoping that they get better. The White well, Sox. Won. The White Sox. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Nothing. Um, there's no. a timely clip that is no longer. I see. Yeah. All right. Blew it. Um, the White Sox think of making history as being the, the 80 and 82 team to win a division and like win a playoff game. They think that's still history. I guess it is. I'm not sure that's the history you want. I'm telling you, the actual plan is to win 82 games and win the World Series as a tribute to Tony La Russa. Oh, that, that's the game plan. Oh, man. <laughs> they were, that's what the, all along, that's what they were uh, trying oh, to get. No. <laughs> the White Sox were so good in 2005. I know it's fluky, haha. Let's you know crap on it, whatever. They were so good, and then back to back, so good in 2006, not good enough. Better, what seven games, eight games, whatever. Better than the Cardinals and the freaking Cardinals are the team that are the next on the list of World Series winners. That's just sickening, Tony. It's just sickening. Um, all right, I will say that Lucas Giolito does get traded. Uh, it's going to be too tempting. 
Rick is going to want to make a move. He's going to see something. It's going to see some candy like, okay, the prospect that maybe the rest of us are like, oh, really? Or maybe on paper does look, you know, does seem pretty juicy. Um, whether, you know, whether it pays off or not, I do think that, you know, cause he's going to, he's going to be able to rationalize easy. You know, we've already, we had our sideline discussions. We all feel that something will come out where they, they discussed a contract extension 16 different times and Lucas wasn't interested. He wanted to play the, you know, there's plenty of excuses built in here for them not to do it. Even if they are four and a half out. Um, I don't know how you could possibly do that thinking you're competing given that White Sox have no one else, two, to three, yeah. four, maybe. Yeah. Uh, pitchers, especially if they really have, yeah, I mean, if they really have given redacted uh, a, a one-way ticket somewhere, which I don't think they have, but boy, we can hope. Um, I mean, again, yeah, you still need someone to pitch. We already have one of the five spots being covered by bullpen or Charlotte Knights or whatever it is, and there's nothing else down there. So Christian Mena is—he's a Double A pitcher. He's 20 years old. I mean, and even he's you know been a little bit stop and go. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, but yeah, I think I don't think he can. I don't think he can resist doing something. And I think a team will make it worth it. I mean, I do think a team will package something that's like, well, I got to do this. Um, <laughs> we'll all scream. We'll all start weeping. But I think he will. It's just they're so <laughs> Sorry. sentimental. They're so sentimental as an organization. Like mm-hmm. the thing is, like the last time they traded players when they were within four or five games, like we're still talking about it twenty five yeah. years later. It's true. You know? It's true. And they know that. You know, <laughs> I I don't think that's what I, I mentioned that on a past podcast, and I, I think I just don't think they have the guts mm. to deal with it to go through that again. You mm. know, because as much as we say, oh, we know they're a trash team, we know they're bad. Right. I, I think we represent. I think there's a larger portion of the fan base that would be a lot more upset than we are if they do decide to trade Lucas Giolito within a stone's throw first place. First place, spin that way. I think that's interesting, Malachi. The very the soft underbelly of Jerry Reinsdorf he just won't be able to take that. Like he cares. That's very interesting. But maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he does. Uh, I guess time will tell. It's coming. You know, it's coming. We got a ton of stuff coming up here in the month, which we're going to probably be we're going to be trying to provide. Yeah, I don't know. All star coverage is usually just like, you know, whatever. But now we've smashed the draft into the all star game. So that's going to be a very busy time and an exciting time or a time. We're all going to say, oh, who who'd they pick? I don't know. Last draft, I guess, is looking shaping up like it might have been pretty decent early returns. But I guess we'll see. Maybe the new brain trust uh, knows what it's doing when it comes to drafting. Uh, or maybe not. We'll find out. It's going to be a busy month. And, uh, hey, the White Sox are in contention. So, of course, of course it's going to be busy. Stay tuned to all our night, nearly nightly coverage, nearly daily coverage on Southside Sox. Uh, we'll be doing podcasts all day. They come fast and furious. We've taken a little bit of a break. But sometimes it's like, what are we going to talk about? I keep looking at the winning percentages. They, they've sort of gone up from podcast to podcast. You know, am I really, you know. My, my studious notes here in my little notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. You know, I mean, I guess we can sell it. We can have a big post-game podcast when they hit 500, like it's going to happen. Or I don't know, they put together a streak or the rest of the division comes down to them. I and mean, we really could be looking at a division leader. I mean, they're already two below 500. So what, five below? Six, seven, eight below? I mean, it's not inconceivable with the new, with the way the schedule is worked out now. Whereas I think it might have almost been mathematically, maybe somewhat mathematically impossible in past seasons for that to happen. I'm not sure that's the case now. So the division really could, the division lead really could come down to the White Sox, drift down. They're basically, they're on the verge of passing the Detroit Tigers right now. So, And isn't our strength of schedule like 
we do have one of the better ones heading into the second half of the season, if I saw that correctly somewhere. I've sort of heard that too, yeah. I've sort of figured that, but it's tough to trust that. But yeah, no, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, and the White Sox did. I mean, this has been a bit of a, a gauntlet that they ran through at about roughly 500 this month, and I guess the start of the season was a little rough. I mean, I don't know. When you're a crappy team, all the, all the teams are tough, right? So, but yeah, all right. We can hang our hopes on that. Sure, yeah. Here we yeah. come, Today's ALC. Yeah. Today's last day of June. Last day of July, we'll do a podcast. We'll be in first place. Hey, I mean, the crazy thing. And, and the thing is, they could still have a 434 winning percentage. Exactly. <laughs> I don't expect it to change at all. They'll still be roughly nine games below 500 or something, and they'll be – right there for first place yes that, that will be a fun be a weird that'll be a we'll be laughing more and probably drinking more so all right until then somehow between then and now we'll have probably a few other mothership podcasts so please join us for them hopefully most of these guests if not all of these guests will join us when softball is canceled or you know otherwise when we get the studio up and we get the kerosene studio down there at the sage bowling box running uh and when i'm available and not um, um blacked out blacked out and probably different definitions but in this case literally blacked out uh we'll be back with more south side south podcasts visiting and dugout coming at you uh well on a routine basis maybe we'll do another farm podcast one day i don't know i'm panhandling for farm podcasts and it ain't happening yet but we will definitely have more south side socks socks populi etc fans first sports network podcast coming soon thank you brian thank you malachi thank you melissa we'll all be back with you probably quicker than you're ready for us but hey just Sit back, strap it down.